Welcome to Professional Dork Storytelling. A wide variety of stories, both silly and serious, and today is more on the serious side. We're finishing with part two of Pierce, where a young man is thrown off guard when his boss goes through an emo goth fashion phase. Part two, they actually get to go to that concert. And just a reminder, as I said, this story is a little more on the serious side. Nobody, nobody dies. No tragic ending, but we are going to discuss things like suicide and depression. After this, don't worry, we're going to be back to, like, spaceships and fantasy worlds and more fun things. Fandom hockey, that kind of fun escapism, but... I write these stories every week on the fly, and clearly I had some things that needed to get out, so that's what happens. <laughs> anyway, I hope you find today's episode, Part 2 of Pierce, interesting. And if it turns out this episode is not your bag, no worries. There are so many other genres in our past episodes feed. Feel free to click back through them and find something just cracked out and ridiculous. But for now... Part 2 of Pierce. Sit back and enjoy. Cody crossed the street to Soracy Park, where Victory's Anthem would be playing their set at the Graveside Vigil Music Festival. Already, crowds of people were assembling near the stage, securing the prime vantage points, and Cody sighed. He'd lost time, leaving the diner, taking a cab home, and then looping back around— if he'd stuck to the plan, he and Jansen would have finished eating and been one of the lucky few at the front of the stage. Not that Cody could really be sure what the plan was anymore. It was awkward enough to be sharing outside interests with his boss, let alone his suspicions that Jansen had ulterior motives. But now that Cody had a chance to mull them over, these motives didn't seem sinister or malicious. Just sad, maybe. And if that was the case, he would be wrong to just leave Jansen alone. This could be good for both of them, and at the very least, he'd get to meet Victory's anthem backstage. Cody decided that was worth leaving his comfort zone a little for. Cody spotted Jansen near the entrance. As always, the man looked aloof and unshakable, but there was a bit of a nervous fidget when he saw Cody jogging over. The man stood up in a rush. Hello? I'm back, Cody said, for lack of anything better, and things were immediately awkward. Just when Cody thought he couldn't handle any more uncomfortable staring, Jansen spoke. I'm sorry for upsetting you earlier. It's fine, Cody managed a rueful smile. I'm told I can be overly sensitive. He forced his lips to stay turned up for a few more seconds, before falling back into a more neutral expression. So, um, did you and your son go to concerts like this together? Jansen shook his head, and actually chuckled. No, he would have hated this. Music was one thing we never agreed on. Oh. Cody frowned. Then why are we here? Why ask me? I wanted to get to know you better was Jansen's simple reply. But simple wasn't enough for Cody. Why? He couldn't identify the expression on Jansen's face. It made him feel like he'd struck the other man a blow somehow. Jansen finally looked away, down at his hands. Because I never bothered to before. 
He straightened before Cody could form a reply. Shall we go? The show is about to begin. This seemed counterproductive to Jansen's stated goal, but Cody went along with it. The two walked into the park, mostly in silence, until they joined the mass of people already assembled. The more people pressed in around their sides, the more relaxed Cody felt. Usually the opposite was true, but music was different. Spiritual. This was mass, and the worshippers had assembled in the church. "'What's your favorite song from this band?' Cody asked, straining to be heard over the crowd. "'Anything you're looking forward to?' "'I'd like it if they played Winter's Revelation,' Jansen said, and Cody nodded. "'That's a good song!' he shouted back. It was one of his favorites, too. He was about to say more, but just then a roar erupted from the crowd around him, and Cody swiveled his head to face the stage. The band was in place, the lights were blazing, the electricity was humming in his ears. Communion had begun. From the first, distorted notes on the guitar, Cody was transported to another plane, an altered state of existence. After a long battle against the dismal, oppressive world outside, he'd earned a few minutes in Valhalla. Melodic emotions washing over the crowd like waves, raw emotions screamed with throat-raking urgency, all of it theatric and beautiful. Feelings he wasn't allowed to express in public, thoughts and ideas that no one was willing to talk about anywhere else. For all people might call this music violent or depressing, and rightfully so, it spoke to Cody. It calmed his soul and led him back to center, allowed him to feel these desperate and disparate emotions in a controlled environment, knowing there was a whole world of other freaks who felt the same way, and that the sharing of those feelings could lead to peace. Salvation in the Church of Screamo. Above them, the sky was dark and allowed the lights to play over the crowd with an ethereal glow. It caught the contours of everyone's face, turning them into a sea of ghouls and skeletons in the shadows. A gathering of the dead, looking for life. Cody's eyes drifted over Jansen, beside him. The man didn't shout or cheer, but he did sway quietly with the haunting choruses, sometimes with his eyes closed, sometimes with them open and full of emotion. Cody suddenly had so much he wanted to say to Jansen. Startled by how grateful he was that he had decided to come back, but not a word he said would have been heard over the cacophonous noise. This profound moment between them would have to transcend words, and so Cody settled for a mere smile. It felt cruel of the universe to place them both inside this magical moment of time, one that could never truly be duplicated, to open Cody's eyes to what he'd been blind to earlier only to strip away the words, but maybe that was all right. Maybe that was the way of all young men— to go on ignorant of a loving presence until a lifetime later, suddenly and without warning, confronted with the wealth of silent devotion that went unrecognized. After all, Jansen's son never had a chance to say anything either. But Cody had a future beyond this moment, and he didn't intend to waste it. Because death take him if his father had ever invited him out in a misguided attempt to get to know him better or confronted Cody with his potential and demand to know why he wasn't living up to it, or find a sudden and certainly not accidental medical leave to be an event worth paying attention to. But for now, any words could be swallowed up in the wave of sound, so he gave himself to the moment, 
that beautiful pocket of time, cherished for what it was, crystallized existence glowing with vibrant passion. His first friend. His first experience that could be shared. Oh, he was never letting go of that. When the set ended, Cody and Jansen pushed upstream of the exiting crowd to reach the fenced-off backstage. Jansen spoke briefly with the security there, and then the two were allowed to pass through the barrier, escorted to a canopy where people were packing up gear and instruments. As soon as Cody was close enough to recognize their faces, his heart skipped a beat. This was really happening. He was about to meet Victory's anthem. He shivered a little with the anticipation, and had a little trouble catching his breath when Jansen called out to the keyboardist, and suddenly the whole band was turning and staring at him. But Victory's anthem were everything he wanted them to be. Their bassist scowled and sneered, just as her stage persona did, but there was a kind twinkle in her eyes to take the edge off and her dreadlocks were gathered back from her face in a sparkling pink scrunchie. She rolled her eyes as their heavily tattooed drummer cracked bad jokes and showed off pictures of his kids. The guitarist was a quiet man, wearing makeup so pale he looked like a vampire, but happily made small talk with Cody, asked what local attractions were most worth his time, and then at Cody's request, pulled his guitar out to demonstrate a few of his famous chord progressions and at no one's request, started playing Thunderstruck. The keyboardist kept up a steady supply of stories, usually embarrassing ones about Jansen in high school. Cody liked all of them, and was grateful for the chance to see them as people, not just icons. He watched Jansen interacting with them, laughing at something the keyboardist said, and wondered what it would have been like to have such friends in high school. Someone with which to share the same music and hobbies, and while away the hours, to develop dreams together, go chase them, and then come together as adults and catch up again. When Cody was in high school, he'd been alone, the screaming voices on his CD player his only source for companionship, but those voices had once been young, just like himself, looking for a place to belong in the world. Cody thought it would be nice if 20 or 30 years from now, he might find himself in the same place as Jansen or Victory's Anthem, and be able to look back on the past. Eventually, the time came to leave, but Cody knew he couldn't go without saying one thing. This was an opportunity he never thought he'd have, to speak to the band he'd loved so much, and it came with an added bonus of allowing him, mediocre, unimportant little Cody, to contribute something positive to this world because if someone saved a life, they should have the chance to know about it and be thanked. Your music got me through high school, he nervously told his idols, embarrassed by the way his hands and voice were shaking. And college, and after that. Um, when other people called me a freak, listening to your music made me feel like I belonged. It felt trite and cliché to say so. They'd probably heard the same sentiments from hundreds of fans but that didn't make it any less true. Cody took a deep breath. I tried to kill myself earlier this year. Um, I'd been cutting for years and it just wasn't enough anymore, but I, um, screwed it up. And I'm glad, because during recovery, I had nothing to do but lay around listening to your songs, and that saved me. He swallowed, not daring to lift his eyes up off the floor. I thought that you guys understood how I felt so well 
You knew what it was like to be nothing and alone, but you all found each other and made a band and did something good for the world. And I felt like if I tried hard enough, I might be able to make something good happen, too. And that might be worth living for. I haven't self-harmed in eight months, and I'm so happy to be alive. It's because of you. Finally, he forced himself to look up and meet everyone's faces. So, thank you. Your music, it's, it's important, and it matters. I just wanted you to know that. To his surprise, he found no condemnation in his audience, not for his past weaknesses or his current stammering, just a knowing look in the keyboardist's eye. We've all been there, kid, he said. Don't give up on yourself again. It was only after they left, after Cody and Jansen crossed the park in silence, that the adrenaline and joy of the past few hours wore off, and Cody suddenly felt all the strength evaporate out of his legs. His head swam, and Jansen had to guide him to the nearest park bench, but once there, Cody began to laugh, a release of long-held tension. I've never told anyone that before, he admitted, still chuckling to himself. What a day, but it felt good to finally say the truth out loud, to say how he felt instead of suffering in silence, and of course, to be able to mean those words that he was so happy to be alive. Jansen was quiet, though, his face somewhere between contemplative and pained. You knew, didn't you? I suspected, Jansen replied. His voice was quiet. As your employer, I can't ask about your medical leave, but I thought it might be more than a mere accident. Cody tilted his head, the dizziness not quite faded yet. I think everyone suspected. They all think they're so good at keeping secrets, but I know the office gossips about me. Jansen grimaced. I've tried to discourage that. Well, now they'll gossip about you just as much. Cody was feeling well enough to sit up, and lifted his head. Is that why you wanted to hang out with me? It's not pity, Jansen was quick to assure. Cody felt the other man sit down next to him. I couldn't bear the thought of someone else in my life. Leaving. I never spoke to you and never reached out or tried to get to know you, and then one day, my only employee with a perfect attendance record just disappears. Like last time. I didn't think anything was wrong until it vanished. It wasn't your responsibility. It's my office, Jansen said with a bit of a snarl at himself. My job is all of you, to make sure you do the work, that you have everything you need to do the work, that you're all safe and happy while you're doing the work. He trailed off, and Cody sat back. It's not your fault, he offered again, though he received no reply. He turned his head up to the stars. My mom's my emergency contact. They called her after I was sent to the emergency room, but she didn't come to visit or, or call or anything. And my dad, he's never approved of me. You're the first person to care. Jansen looked stricken. Your parents just left you like that? I haven't spoken with them for years. Cody did his best to detach himself from the words, but couldn't quite manage it. I didn't have anyone before, and I didn't have anyone after. 
The only thing that changed was me. He looked over at the other man and decided to take a risk. Your son didn't know how lucky he was. With that, Jansen plunged his face into his hands. There's so much I should have done. If he had just told me. But he didn't, Cody said. You can't blame yourself for his decisions. But why didn't he trust me? Jansen insisted. He must have been suffering for so long. Why couldn't I recognize that? He lifted his head a little. What makes a person decide that? His mother and I loved him. I thought he knew that. I... How could I fail him like that? And suddenly, the world stopped for Cody. The spinning sphere on which he lived slowed to a halt, and he saw how one person's life, even one as insignificant as his, could be used to change the course of another's. Cody, who always thought he was nothing, now had the chance to bring something good into the world. I don't know your son. I don't even know you that well, he said, confident in his voice for the very first time. But I know there isn't a thing you could have done to save him until he wanted to be saved. Maybe you could have intervened if you realized in time, he added when Jansen looked like he'd been slapped. But nothing would have changed until he decided to change. You can't make someone want to live. That has to come from them. Cody traced over the old lines on his arms. Your son was probably scared. He had parents who loved him, after all. I bet he was terrified that you might finally see him the way he saw himself. He doesn't blame you. If he were here, I'm sure he'd tell you that. Jansen wasn't crying, exactly. No tears were falling, but Cody thought the man's expression was as close as his boss was ever going to come to the action. I'd give anything to make things different. Cody swallowed. You're not the one who took that chance away. He knew you loved him, but he chose this anyway. It's not your fault. It's sad, but it's not your fault. Jansen fell silent after that, and Cody felt like the silence needed a few moments to breathe. So he watched the crowds passing by, young, black-clad wraiths rushing this way and that to catch their favorite band's set, couples lost in each other's heavily made-up eyes, the occasional dog walker with a bewildered stare as they tried to figure out just what they had stumbled into. It was a nice little world, Cody thought. Peaceful. Not so long ago, it had been a cacophony of pain and desperation for him. He took in a breath, noting that the smells and the atmosphere of the park were just as they had been that one night. The world had not actually changed. The only thing that changed was him. I didn't notice any signs with you either, Jansen murmured next to him, and Cody let out a breath. Not until it was too late. We weren't friends then, Cody dismissed, and I didn't want you to know. I didn't want anyone to see. But that was then. Now, Cody didn't hide away his true self. He looked down at his hands and derived courage from the scars that made them what they were today. Um... It was actually in this park that I, um, over by those trees, I stabbed myself in the heart. He felt Jansen jerk beside him. You what? It seemed really poetic at the time. 
Cody gave a wry smirk. Luckily, I screwed it up, like I do everything else. But I guess that's the real reason I don't much like piercings. I've already got too many holes in myself. Jansen's hand clamped down on his shoulder then, strong and steadying, a tether to something greater than the both of them. I'm glad you're still with us. Me too, Cody said back. He swallowed. And I'm glad that we got to do this. It, it was... Good, he finished, for lack of a better summation. Yes, it was, Jansen agreed. He removed his hand from Cody's shoulder, but the feeling remained. Something had broken through Cody's thick walls, his painted mask, opening his world and allowing him to feel capable of handling the changes. Was this friendship? He hoped it was something he would get used to. Thank you for joining me today, Jansen continued. I was glad of your company, and I think your life is very much worth living for. I hope you know that. I do. And I think that your son was probably grateful that he got to have you for his dad. And this moment of contentment, even after discussing tragedy, was something that Cody would remember. He made something good happen for something else. Something only he could do because he had decided to live. Maybe he could do that again and again, as long as he decided he could keep going. Beside him, Jansen finally got his sudden emotion under control. I think, young Cody, that you are infinitely more capable than you think you are, and should apply for a higher position to prove it to yourself. Cody whipped his head to the side, stunned, but it seemed Jansen was serious. He continued to stare, but finally gave up and laughed. The action was raw from disuse, but it felt good. All right, Ray, he said. I'll do it, if you come to work with that fake piercing of yours. Jansen's fingers drifted up to his ornate, clipped-on earring in surprise, and then he grinned. Deal. And Cody couldn't help but grin back at his new, unexpected friend. A friend who, in his own way, was just as odd and damaged as he was. But none of that was bad, he thought to himself as he leaned back on the bench. He smiled to himself and reaffirmed his previous decision. He was so happy to be alive. You've been listening to Professional Dork Storytelling, Part 2 of Pierce. Thank you for making it through... Keep tuning in to this podcast on iTunes or professionaldarkpodcast.blogspot.com or follow us on Patreon to get more stories, um, most considerably happier and ridiculous. We'll see you next time with spaceships and period peace adventures. So until next time, my name is Anne Werner, thanking you so much for listening. <laughs>